Today on Blue 58, just as quickly as he arrived, Michael Roberts departs. Probably should have seen that coming. Anyway, here are a few other guys that could be on their way out of town unless something big changes. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be here with you yet again. Looks like Michael Roberts is not going to be revolutionizing the Packers' tight end position or restarting his NFL career. He's been released by the Packers with the designation of failed physical. If you remember, all the way from the very last episode that we did, that was actually what got him out of Detroit in the first place. They tried to trade him to the New England Patriots. He failed the physical. Trade is scuttled. He's released. The Packers claim him, and wouldn't you know it, that physical process is still not going super well. Probably should have mentioned that he was having some shoulder injuries when we talked about him in the last episode. I don't know why I didn't think that was significant. Uh, I probably should have just brought that up anyway. Yeah, he failed his physical, so there's a good chance he was going to fail it again. However, I think the larger point about Michael Roberts is still an interesting one. And if you recall our discussion from the last episode, the real big interesting thing here is the roster trend. The Packers are trying to fix their tight end position by taking as many swings at tight ends as they possibly can without just spending a whole bunch of draft picks on tight ends. I think this is still evidence of that trend, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Packers add another tight end with a similar skill set to Michael Roberts. Bigger guy, maybe not necessarily the fastest in the world, but could be a good blocker. Whether or not they actually are a good blocker is probably not super Likely, given that it's the middle of June, closer to the end of June, and anybody who's worth anything has probably been snapped up already. If they don't go that direction, I would expect them to fill this roster spot with another premium athlete. Just take a flyer on another one of those guys that Brian Gutekunst seems to like. Those really crazy athletes to fill out the bottom end of the roster. And again, late June, that's probably the best you can do. Unless people start getting released around training camp and you want to try something else at that point, the high-end athlete is probably the best you can hope for right now, and there probably are some out there. I'm also interested to see if this is not the last thing we hear from Michael Roberts. The Packers are clearly interested, so if he gets things healthy, gets himself healthy, gets everything figured out injury-wise, it probably wouldn't be too surprising to see them bring him in for a workout and uh, make a deal at that point. Who knows when that could be? Who knows if it happens at all? But I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. So just a note there. Michael Roberts out in Green Bay. Packers have a roster spot open yet again. Let's shift directions completely and talk about what I am dubbing the Last Chance Club. The Last Chance Club is made up of guys who are on their way out of Green Bay or could be on their way out of Green Bay if they don't get things figured out. These are players who have had time in Green Bay to play well and just haven't for whatever reason, and now it seems that they are down to their final opportunity. You thought I was going to say last chance, but I didn't. Got to change it up just a little bit. To me, there are some parameters we've got to set up here. It's got to matter at least a little bit if these guys get cut. Sure, you could point to guys that started out in the bottom of the roster and are just like filling out roster spots like 85 through 89 right now. They're probably starting on their last chance. There's not a lot of margin for error there 
for them at all. But it also doesn't really matter if they get cut anyway. Nobody's really counting on them for anything. These are going to be guys that the Packers have some time or draft capital invested in, or that would matter if they just didn't get the job done this year and had to be cut or otherwise moved off the roster. Injured reserve because they're hurt. Who knows? These are guys also, though, that you're not necessarily going to be super beat up about if it turns out that they get cut. So, for instance, the first guy we're going to be talking about here is Trevor Davis. If the Packers were to cut Trevor Davis, yeah, I'd be kind of a bummer. He was a draft pick. Um, He's played more than a little bit, not as much as he probably could have. But if they moved on from him, it would still leave a little bit of a roster hole. They'd have to figure out who's going to return punts, who's going to be their special teams gunner. But still, it wouldn't ruin their day. It would hurt a little bit, but it wouldn't tear down the team. Guys kind of falling into that donut hole is what we're going to be talking about here. We're not going to get to everybody who could meet this definition either. Here are four guys right right off the bat that we're not going to spend time talking about. Tim Boyle, though he's borderline. Montrevious Adams. Mike Daniels and Brian Bulaga. Boyle, the number three quarterback, it just doesn't matter enough if he doesn't get it done in training camp this year. Montrevious Adams, there's so much depth on a, on the defensive line and as a nose tackle type, even though he does play some of the other spots on the line, I just don't think it matters enough there either. And Daniels and Bulaga, we know why they're down to their final opportunities here in Green Bay. They're in contract years and they're older players. It would be surprising unless they were just world-beating players, which I don't think either of them are at this point in their career, if they weren't looking at something like a last shot. And I wouldn't be surprised to see either of those guys back either. It's not like they've run out of goodwill in Green Bay. I think everybody thinks pretty highly of both Daniels and Bulaga. So we're not going to talk about either those guys or in particular or guys like them. But I do have six guys I want to talk about, starting, like I said, with Trevor Davis. The story so far on Davis is that he was a fifth-round pick in 2016, but since then he's played in just 29 of a possible 48 career games, including just two last year. When he's been healthy, Trevor Davis has been a pretty good returner and special teams guy just all around. He's returned 37 punts since 2016 and has averaged 12.1 yards per return on those 37 returns. He was one of only three players league-wide since 2016 who's averaged at least that many yards per return on 30 or more returns. So it's not like he's been a slouch when he's been out there. He just hasn't been out there all that much. He's also done a pretty good job covering kicks for the Packers. The last time he played a full season, 2017, he ended up tied for second on the team with five special teams tackles. Yet here we are in 2019, heading into what could be his final training camp with the Packers. Why is this his last chance? Well, first and foremost, as a receiver, Davis has been a lot less exciting than he's been as a returner. And that even has been an adventure at times. He hasn't always been great as a returner either. He's only managed 193 snaps on offense since 2016. And of those 193 snaps, he has only produced eight catches, 94 yards, and one touchdown. That is a higher average per punt return than per his catches. He's more likely to get you more yards returning punts than doing what he's actually drafted to do. That's a little bit odd. So eight catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown in 29 games. 
but three catches and 56 of those yards came in the final game of the 2017 season against Detroit, which you'll remember was basically a preseason game because the Packers were long out of it at that point. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was on injured reserve for the second time, and Trevor Davis just goes wild in Trevor Davis fashion and catches three passes for 56 yards. Outside of that, that means he has five catches for 38 yards and a touchdown in the other 28 games of his career. But then again, another three three catches, 24 yards, and a touchdown came against Atlanta in 2016. Subtract that from his career total, and you are down to two catches, 14 yards, and no touchdowns in the remaining 27 games in which Trevor Davis has been active. That's not going to get it done. And no matter how good you are on special teams, it's tough to justify a guy who can only get that much done when he's on the field. I think it's important for every one of these guys that we talk about to kind of define what success would be for them moving forward. How do you determine whether or not he's doing what you need him to do if you haven't laid out exactly what it is you're hoping he'll do? For Trevor Davis, I think that is making the roster and finding a way to actually contribute on offense. Those have both been big asks for him so far. Making the roster is going to be a little bit tough as we turn to what he would have to do to be a success, to meet that standard we've set for him. First and foremost, he's got to stay healthy. Every year, it seems like we have the conversation about Trevor Davis. Wow, it looks like he's putting up some big numbers. He's contributing well in training camp, but then he starts to get banged up a little bit, has to miss a few practices, a few games, and suddenly he's inactive on game day again. I know it's a pretty obvious thing to say he's got to stay healthy, but that's where it starts for Davis. From there, it gets even harder because to contribute as a receiver, he's got to overcome a bit of a numbers game. In a new offense, it's probably easier because everybody's a little bit slower to pick things up than they maybe otherwise would have been. But still, it's going to be tough. I think there are four locks at receiver for the Packers this year. Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Those four roster spots are all but accounted for. Then you've got Jake Kumro, who I'd consider a pretty good bet, especially considering what Aaron Rodgers thinks of him. That leaves Trevor Davis competing with Jamon Moore, Alan Lazard, and all the undrafted free agents for one, maybe two, roster spots. If they keep six receivers, it's just one. Seven, again, that would be two. He may have a leg up against the undrafted free agents, but if you're projecting what players could be in the future, that advantage might go away. Big ask for Trevor Davis this year, and this is almost certainly his last chance in Green Bay. Sticking on offense, the next gentleman I'd like to talk about is Jason Spriggs. The Packers made a big trade during the 2016 draft to bring Spriggs to Green Bay. They traded picks 57, 125, and 248 for pick number 48, selecting Spriggs out of Indiana there. Incidentally, pick number 125 ended up being Antonio Morrison, who ended up playing in Green Bay. Anyway, Spriggs has played in 36 games so far. He started nine at both guard and tackle, but when he has been on the field, it hasn't been super pretty. He doesn't really play up to his testing numbers, which is not necessarily that surprising on the offensive line, but still you'd probably like to get a little bit more out of him at the very least. He hasn't even really been an adequate offensive lineman. He's been worse than that. He's been a guy that you have to send extra help to on almost every play. 
2019 is Spriggs' last chance because he just hasn't produced when he's had the opportunity. He's had plenty. 36 games is not too bad. Uh, He has been hurt a couple times in there, but as a backup offensive lineman, that's not terrible. 36 games over three seasons, you could do worse than that. This is also the last year of his contract, so if he doesn't produce this year, it wouldn't be surprising him at all to see him not brought back, and there's no reason to think so far that they are going to extend him or put a whole lot of effort into bringing him back. Even if he's kind of borderline coming out of training camp, it might just be easier to cut bait now and move on. If he can't play, he can't play, and he might as well put that roster spot to use someplace else. Success for Jason Spriggs is giving the Packers a reason to not just cut him outright. This is good for Spriggs, and it's also good in the short term. It's good for the Packers in the short term, and it's also really good for Spriggs in the long term if he shows that he can do this. It sets himself up for a second chance, probably somewhere else, but you never know in Green Bay. If he proves that he can be a quality backup offensive lineman, maybe he gets another shot next year. Maybe the Packers move on from Brian Bulaga and say, yeah, it looks like the Spriggs thing is going to work out. Who knows? What does he have to do to be a success? Well, I think he's got to be a tackle first and foremost. That's what he drafted him to do. And given the construction of the roster right now, I think that's where they need him most. He's also just got to flat up win this flat out win this backup tackle competition. And it's not like there's not going to be opportunities to do that. It's a pretty sparse group of backup tackles in camp this year. There's only two other true offensive tackles outside of David Bakhtiari and Brian Bulaga in camp, Gerhard DeBeer and Yash Nyman. There are also a few swing tackle types in camp as well. You've got Billy Turner, who's a nominal starter at right guard. You've also got Alex Light and Adam Pankey. You could probably group Cole Madison in there as well. You could probably kick out to tackle if he absolutely have to. Spriggs even the way he's played so far, would have to be kind of the the front runner among that group, outside of Billy Turner, probably. But how much confidence do you really have that he's significantly better than a guy like Ad- Alex Light or Adam Pankey? I'm not a huge believer in that. I don't think Spriggs is going to be cut outright, but I don't think he. I'd shed any tears if he was. And if he is, I don't think anybody's going to be wondering why. One more on offense here. Let's talk about Deshaun Kaiser. We've actually got two more on offense. Let's talk about this one first, though. Deshaun Kaiser, I think, is on his last shot in Green Bay. The Packers got Deshaun Kaiser from the Browns in early 2018 after Demarius Randall just became too much of a headache to deal with. They traded Demarius Randall, pick 114 and pick 150, to Kaiser, or to Cleveland, excuse me, for Kaiser, pick 101 and 138. The Packers ended up trading pick number 101 as part of a package to move up and get Oren Burks, and they later used pick number 138 on Cole Madison. Some interesting tidbits to that trade there. Kaiser really wasn't that great in Cleveland, though he probably came out a year early from Notre Dame. Everybody said that coming out from Notre Dame, although I think uh, Brian Kelly had some selfish reasons for that. It was probably true, no matter his reasoning for it, and it kind of showed as a rookie for Kaiser, but he was thrown into the fire a little bit too. He wasn't great in Green Bay either, though. Uh, He may have been outplayed by Brett Hundley during the 2018 preseason, but their hands were kind of tied there. They had kind of committed to Kaiser just by bringing him in, so they trade Hundley, 
And then Kaiser gets action early in the season, and we all know how that went against the Bears. So he hasn't been here that long, but I still think 2019 is his last chance. Why? Well, you know that he's got some good physical tools. People say stuff like that about quarterbacks all the time. He's got all the tools. Well, it's true about Kaiser. He does. He's got a pretty strong arm. He's a fairly good athlete, but it's just been the decision-making. And I think that makes 2019 the last opportunity for him because if you can't figure that part of the game out after three training camps in the NFL, is it ever going to happen? I don't think so. There's limited enough time to work with quarterbacks as it is. So if he can't improve, there's really no reason for the Packers to keep sinking resources into him. You might as well try something else. What does he have to do to be a success, to to avoid getting cut straight out of training camp? Well, he's got to put it together. He's got to show that he can competently execute the offense. It's really just basic stuff. The Packers aren't counting on him to be Aaron Rodgers or even like a mid-tier starting quarterback. He's just got to show that he can be more than a warm body if he ever has to step out onto the field. He wasn't that in 2018. He needs to be at least that in 2019. Otherwise, you might as well just roll the dice with Tim Boyle or somebody else off the street. You never know who could get cut in training camp. It's a big year for Kaiser, both in Green Bay and career-wise. One last more on offense, and then we'll jump over to defense for a couple. Jimmy Graham, I think, is on his last shot in Green Bay. Now, we got to preface this by saying he's not going to get cut in training camp, but we're looking more to the future here. The story on Jimmy Graham is a pretty well-known one. They signed him to a big deal in early 2018 season, or early in 2018. He had a tough season last year, underwhelming to be sure, in part due to injuries. He had a knee injury in training camp that never seems to really have gotten better. It required maintenance all season. Despite that, he was still on pace for a pretty good year until he broke his thumb. The Packers this spring kept him, had to pay him a big roster bonus to do that, and now we're heading into 2019 with a new offensive system that's more focused on blocking from tight ends than receiving. 2019 is Graham's last chance in Green Bay because the Packers can cut him next year and he'll count practically nothing against the cap compared to what he's counting this year. Just $3.6 million against the cap versus almost 13 this year. So what does he have to do to avoid getting cut? It's going to be tough, I think, either way. Even if he proves that he still got it in the NFL, I'm not sure the Packers are super keen on keeping a tight end who's fairly one-dimensional at what will be an advancing age for Graham. He's just got to put up some numbers, I think, though, this year. To a lesser extent, it just has to feel like it matters when he's on the field. That really wasn't the case last year, especially down the stretch playing with that broken thumb. He was an utter non-factor in a lot of games. To put like an actual number on the numbers you'd like to see from Graham, I think he's got to be like 90% of what he was in 2016. He had 900 yards that year for the Seahawks on like 60-some catches, which would be great if he were able to do that again in 2019. I'm not counting on that, though. I don't think opportunities are going to be super plentiful for tight ends as receivers in LaFleur's offense. But if you could be like 90% of what he was that year, so... I don't know, mid-50s and catches again for more yards, say 750 to 800 yards, that would be pretty outstanding. If he was even in that 700-yard range, I think that would be acceptable 
for the Packers this year. What does he have to do to get there? He's got to stay healthy. He can't be a liability as a blocker. If he can't at least be average as a blocker, there's no reason to have him be on the field because there's no deception there. And if you're just going to be a giant wide receiver, you might as well put a fast receiver on the field. He's also got to figure out a way to be just a little bit more explosive when he is on the field. That was a big problem down the stretch last year. There was a play, and I haven't been able to find exactly the play I was looking for, but it was against either the Jets or the Lions late last year. There were uh, a series where the Packers were down by the goal line, and they ran to Graham. Well, they threw to Graham. They ran plays to Graham in like two out of three plays. And he had a clear physical mismatch over the defensive back playing across from him, and he just could not get off the field vertically. Couldn't jump at all. Couldn't explode or separate or anything. And it was just difficult to watch because his legs looked completely dead. If he can't figure out a way to stay fresher, to be a little bit more explosive, it's hard to justify putting him on the field for any extended amount of plays. And if he can't be on the field for those extended amount of plays, it makes you wonder why they brought him back in the first place. Let's talk defense. Two guys real quick here. First and foremost, Josh Jones. This is going to be a quick one. Everybody knows about Josh Jones. He's been in the media a little bit more than he'd probably like from a guy who isn't a starter on your defense, at least for mid-June. And not in a way that's like, boy, this guy is really tearing it up out there. He might be pushing to get onto the field as a starter. No, Josh Jones has been asked or has asked the Packers to trade him, then denied that that's what he wants, then said some cryptic things about maybe being hurt, talked about not really understanding why he wanted to change his number. It's been a bit of a It's been a trying time for Josh Jones after the Packers picked him in the second round in 2017. Again, got to push back against the narrative that he hasn't had opportunities. He has. He's played a lot in both of his first two years in the league. It's been fairly consistent when he's gotten opportunities, too. He was playing most, if not all, of the snaps down the stretch in 2018. But now here we are in 2019, wondering if he'll make it even to training camp before the Packers move on from him or out of training camp at all. Why is it his last chance? That should be pretty obvious. He says he wants to be out of Green Bay, and he hasn't been super great when he's been in Green Bay. And as to what he would have to do to be a success, boy, I don't know. That ship may already have sailed. I don't know if Josh Jones can come back from where he is with the Packers right now. That would be a big ask, I think. And he really hasn't shown the desire to want to compete to get onto the field in a more extended capacity after the Packers added talent in front of him at the safety position this offseason. Of course, they signed Adrian Amos and drafted Darnell Savage. And Josh Jones kind of keeps, seems to be saying, yeah, I'm kind of done here. I'm not really interested in trying to uh, outwork those guys or, or see what we can come up with to uh, to get ahead of them. So I would not be surprised to just have this be the end of the road for Josh Jones. Maybe the last chance was last year already. And maybe uh, we're just looking for the the actual final end of the story here, the last page of the chapter of Josh Jones being in Green Bay. I think he'll probably get it shot somewhere else just because of his testing numbers, but I don't think Green Bay is the place for him. Let's talk about one guy, one more guy on defense who may be down to his last chance in Green Bay. This one is a little bit of a different one, and this one comes up 
uh, due to a conversation I had today with a listener. Hello, Eric. Uh, Hope you're enjoying the fine weather we're having here in Northwest Ohio. Uh, Eric and I were talking about basically, well, guys who have not done super well in Green Bay so far, or guys who may be on the outs um, no matter what in Green Bay. And we kind of landed on Kyler Fackrell as a guy who kind of falls into that category for a weird reason. Fackrell, as you know, was the uh, Packers' third-round pick in 2016, and for the first couple years there, it was not super great. Uh, He played in 29 games out of a possible 32, but managed just five sacks, and he looked pretty much completely lost, looked completely outclassed there. But then 2018 comes, and you've got a new defensive coordinator in town, and wouldn't you know it, there's Kyler Fackrell with 10.5 sacks, seven starts under his belt, looking for the first time in his NFL career like he belongs on an NFL field. But then the Packers go out and add Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary, doing the exact thing I've been asking them to do for a long, long time, just go out and load up on edge rusher types. And here's Kyler Fackrell heading into his contract year, suddenly looking at a lot of competition for playing time. It's going to be a lot tougher for him to get extensive playing time and therefore maybe put up the numbers that might justify a contract extension in 2019 than it was last year when he was playing behind Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, both of whom, well, were hurt at points last year, especially Nick Perry, who may never have been healthy at any point last year, may have come into the season injured. Fackrell was good last year. Maybe not 10 and a half sacks truly good, but good enough. He was the sort of guy that you might like to have as your third or probably more like fourth edge rusher. He didn't screw it up for the Packers when he was out there for the first time in his NFL career. But can you replace that with another third or fourth round pick? A guy who's probably going to be cheaper, who's definitely going to be younger, because Fackrell's going to be 28 this year. He turns 28 in November. And who you won't have to pay to extend after this season. I think you probably could do that. Pretty easily. It wouldn't be that hard to get a guy who's as athletic as Fackrell, even if he is dubbed the freak because of his good testing numbers, who could give you the things that Fackrell gives you as the third or fourth edge rusher. Plus, you'd have control over him on a cheap contract for three or four years. I just don't know what incentive there is for the Packers to really go after Fackrell and try to extend him here unless he just goes absolutely bananas in 2019. So this may end up being his last shot in Green Bay just because of how things have worked out for the Packers elsewhere on their roster. That is an interesting story, I think, to watch in 2019. If you had to put a bow on it, how many of these guys actually end up making it out of training camp? I feel fairly confident that Spriggs is going to make it and that Kaiser is going to make it. And of course that Jimmy Graham is going to be there. I am far less confident that Trevor Davis actually makes the roster, though you can see the path, and that Josh Jones is a member of the Packers when we get to September. In fact, if I had to 
say yes or no, will one or even both of those guys be on the roster? I would say no right now. I would feel fairly comfortable predicting that. That's not really going too far out on a limb, I realize, but I think we could say, make a prediction now that they're not going to be around. In fact, I will. Let's just say it right now. I don't think Trevor Davis or Josh Jones is going to be on the Packers when it comes to September 2019. Week one, neither Josh Jones or Trevor Davis is going to be on the Packers. Write it down. There's the big prediction. I feel good about it. Let's do it. Let's wrap up the show on that note as well. Hmm, Feeling bold for once. That's all I've got for you on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. You taking the time and downloading and listening to one of our episodes. If you like what you heard and you want to help out the show, one of the best ways to do that is to by leaving a rating or leave a rating and review on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. If you want to take your support to the next level, head over to patreon.com slash the power sweep and donate $1 per month. That's just about eight cents a show uh, for a month of support. And we think it's worth that much to you. And we hope you will as well. And don't forget to check out our great selection of t-shirts and sweatshirts by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. If you have an idea for the show or just want to say hello, you can find us at thepowersweep.com by email at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com or by typing at thepowersweep into Facebook or Twitter. That'll bring you to our pages pretty neat how that works. And as always, every bit of feedback you give us helps us make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep better, which furthers our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, I think smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.